conversations that you connect with and react to. SAFM. Your policies, your laws. Let's debate on Night Talk. And of course, on Tuesday, we discuss policies and laws. What are the policies that currently policymakers are asking your view, your opinion on, as they are debating the mechanisms and the mechanics of our particular policies? There's one particular policy that's out right now that is of great importance and interest, the National Data Cloud Policy. Uh, this was introduced in 2021 by the Minister of Communications and Digital Technologies. They recently published a draft national data and cloud policy for public comment. So as public comment is being sought from you, the citizens of the country who this policy will be effected upon, it's important that you and I get uh, educated on the detail of it and understand the mechanics so that we can provide an informed opinion about how it may potentially impact us. Jan Vermeulen, who is the My Broadband editor, joins me for this conversation. Jan, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Welcome to Night Talk. Good evening. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Jan, let's talk about, uh, firstly, what this policy seeks to enable South Africans uh, to really extrapolate value, uh, socioeconomic value out of data uh, by aligning it with our various policies and legislations and regulations. Now, there are a number of pieces of policies that currently impact uh, data and and the regulation thereof. When we talk about, for instance, uh, uh, the recently enacted policy uh, on, on, on Poppy, for instance, that impacts the handling of data, the storage of data. If we think about uh, the Financial Intelligence uh, Act uh, that has some implication for data that pertains to um, financial transactions in, in, in South Africa's fi- financial institutions. But th- there's no harmonized, singularized policy that brings all of these sorts of things together under a single framework. I'm assuming this will uh, aims to achieve exactly that. But when we talk about a data and cloud policy, what specifically are we seeking to regulate and legislate for? Yeah, you've touched on a couple of uh, of, of interesting points there uh, with regards to this policy. So, um, and and exactly as you as you state, there's there's several pieces of legislation uh, already out there, and um, and uh, you know that that uh, regulate data and uh, you know how data needs to be handled and uh, ensured that it, it, uh, people's personal data is kept private and, and, and all that stuff. Uh, we've got the cyber crimes act. And, uh, and so, uh, the, the ISP association actually in, in their comment to this specific policy, the, 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 the government's now, uh, uh, pending cloud and data policy, um, which uh, has been uh, kind of stuck in limbo for for a while now. Um, the uh, the uh, what the uh, uh, what the ISPA said, what the ISP Association of South Africa said, was exactly what you just touched on. There's nothing wrong with um, creating like a, a harmonized policy that encompasses all things to to do with one topic. Uh, put it all in one place, but it needs to be aligned with existing legislation, which this policy is not. Yeah. Um, and and so the ISP Association, they're very careful in their wording. They're not overly critical um, because um, obviously their their uh, you know their aim is is not to to criticize government but to work together 
with government to, to, to make a good policy. I, however, am more than happy to be very critical of government um, uh, with respect to this policy. And uh, Michelson's attorneys, who are specialists in the field of um, of, of uh, uh, policy and regulation to do with telecommunications, uh, have said that this is, uh, as it stands, is an incredibly badly worded policy. Mm. And uh, that's why uh, public comment is so crucial, is because, yeah, this was tabled in 2021 under two ministers ago. That was still Minister Stella and Benny Abrams. Then Kumbuzo and Chavini took over from... Uh, f- um, uh, Minister Ndabeni. Uh, you know, exactly. And now we have and Minister Kungubele. Exactly. And so under Minister Kungubele, uh, th- th- it sounds like this policy is being reworked. We have not yet seen the reworked policy, yeah. but there's the, but honestly, there's a lot of work that needs to be done in this. In in particular, there there was talk of um, of of cracking down on big tech. Um, uh, which is already a competition commission function, um, but also it kind of ignores the fact that the competency of building the infrastructure required and attracting the investment in building big data centers in South Africa um, uh, is is not just something that happens overnight. There's a reason um, these these big tech companies have become the global hyperscalers, and to to chase them away is is an incredibly bad idea. They'll literally just go across the border. They'll go to Kenya. They'll go to um, they'll go to Angola. Um, they'll go Rwanda wherever. and Ghana. Exactly yeah. right. Um, and and so uh, it's it's important for for government not to chase that investment away. And then also the policy, uh, you know, um, the, the the initial policy there was talk of government uh, launching its own data centers yeah. and and so actually, it let, me, let, me, it. let me let me pause you there um before we get to government owning its own data centers who currently how many data centers do we have in south africa who owns them and how are they regulated i would assume google owns something maybe facebook uh amazon now has a presence in the country in cape town and they're expanding it's, that i'm assuming they have something yeah yeah, it's more complicated than that. So we have a bunch of local companies that that are essentially contracted by these global hyperscalers to build data centers. But before Google and Amazon and Microsoft and, and Oracle and all those big guys wanted to uh, have a presence in South Africa, we had homegrown local telecommunications players that – um, that built data centers in the country. The banks, by the way, also built their own data centers. Standard Bank, for example, built a, a, a big data center, a famous data center built to the highest standard, which they ultimately decided they didn't want to own and operate themselves. So they sold it and they sold it to Africa Data Centers, which sits under Liquid Telecom, which uh, is the company that bought Neotel, right? So, okay. so, uh, so Telcom, Neotel, Dimension Data, um, they all own and operate their own data centers, but the big fish in in South Africa's sea right now is is a company called Terraco, um, and uh, these companies, if it if it weren't for them, South Africa's information technology landscape would look entirely different. Um, and and perhaps before I get there, just to answer your question directly, so so these companies, they they're local companies that employ local people, um, and they understand what it takes in a South African context to build a robust and resilient 
data center that's with backup connectivity backup power nowadays crucial mm. um uh, and and making it work to international standards within our local restrictions. For example, Microsoft, in its specifications for data centers, says you need two independent power feeds from two separate grids to be able to comply with their strict standards of yeah. of, of building a, a Microsoft compliant data center. Um, I think Amazon has a similar spec, and in South Africa, that's not possible. We have one utility. And that's ESCOM. So, uh, so, so to uh, build a data center, to... you also have to build a a renewable energy plant in concurrent concurrent to that, or, or something like it. So, so before solar was as affordable as it is today, they had to make another plant. And so, yeah, they've got redundant generators, and they've managed to convince these hyperscalers that they can, in fact, deliver on their reliability and ro- and 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 backup. Uh, requirements. And so um, after years and years and years of proving themselves, the, 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 you know, whether it's the Terracos and the Neotiles and the Telcoms or, you know, with um, uh, liquid uh, telecommunications, all these guys, um, finally, Amazon, Microsoft, and, and uh, Google have said, great, we, we now trust you enough to build and, uh, uh, you know, facilities directly for us and we will bring our services directly into South Africa. And so now you can actually spin up servers in the Amazon or uh, Microsoft clouds, but they are actually hosted here in South Africa. Um, and, and you get the benefits of their global cloud infrastructure with that. Um, so, so that's who owns and operates these clouds in South Africa. It's not it's not the hyperscalers directly. They, they've bought and, and, and uh, uh, I guess, purchased or contracted local companies to build these facilities for them. Yeah. Is Terraco South African owned? Yes. Um, and uh, it's, it's attracted now foreign direct investment. So um, a major shareholder is an international company now. Um, but I think that speaks to the um, to the success of the business. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the reason you, you attract that foreign direct investment is to expand aggressively. Because the, the the point is not to stay in South Africa. The point is to go continent wide. Yeah, um, and so government now wants to get into that space as a competitor. They want to build and own data centers. Um, yes. Do they have the means? Well, firstly, from a, from a capital injection point of view, the kind of capital uh, that is required to build a data center, and do do they have the right talent and expertise, or can they attract that at least? No. Uh, I'm going to be blunt there. No, it's an incredibly dumb idea for government to try and play in this space. Government has proven itself time and again to be utterly incompetent in the field of information and communications technology. Um, our private sector in South Africa is doing a phenomenal job uh, in in uh, in this. Government's task is to make sure the field remains competitive, um, that um, we attract the necessary skills and investment from from wherever or or, um, or foster the development of that skills and investment locally, and then to get out the way. Um, and uh, by the way, um, I, not, I don't want to toot government's horn, uh, you know, because uh, the success of the industry is uh, is partly as a result of, of um, uh, not, you know, government not interfering as much. But the, uh, the, the, that is a hard one, right? The fact is government has been trying to interfere in ICT um, for 
as long as it's been in power. Yeah. And 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 so um, the the industry has had to fight for its its uh, for its right to compete. You know. So for example, telecom tried to monopolize the internet in South Africa. Yeah. Government tried to block the landing of um, our first competing undersea cable, CECOM. And and these are all developments that ultimately um, just, like brought so much good. It drove down the cost of internet connectivity in South Africa to, to have a liberalized and competitive market. And and um, it, it's it's something um, that government has just proven it does not understand competition. It wants to monopolize, and so that's that's why I'm uh, I'm quite cynical about when government says it wants to enter into a space because its 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 track record is incredibly poor. Developmental state agendas are often uh, in uh, often inform what sort of industries government participates in as a service provider or as a, a, a interested party. So, for instance, government is, is a competitor in, in, in water provision, electricity provision, because those are key uh, uh, provisions uh, for the livelihoods yes. of citizens, businesses, people, communities, right? So government yes. involves themselves in that. Data, access to data is as important... Uh, as water, the United Nations tells us this, right? Yeah. But this is yeah, not absolutely. about the access to data because that's a telecommunications policy, which is a separate conversation. However, right. is a national data and cloud policy as important as our national water policy uh, in, 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 in the sense that does it carry the same value strategically so, so much so that government may have an interest in wanting to be a, a, a participant? I, I would rank it a a close third. Um, so so it would be water, electricity, and then something to do with telecommunications and data. Let's call it a let's call it a fourth behind actual um, internet access, yeah. right? Um, so because uh, and and to your points there, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, centralized water and electricity infrastructure incredibly imp- important, and governments messed that up. So um, we, we, we've got constant load shedding and the water infrastructure in South Africa is failing. And so um, the, 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 the thing about our current telecommunications infrastructure is it is working beautifully. Do not mess with it. Um, it, is, it is one of the few areas of this country that is just purring along. It's attracting foreign investment. Um, it, I, I dare say, and, and I know we're busy talking about data centers right now, but data centers are um, a crucial part of what made um, data prices come down as much as they have in South Africa. And if we, if we have more time, I can perhaps explain how exactly that works. It's got to do with bringing the data closer to the consumer. Okay. Facebook and Netflix and all these guys are able to actually bring their data to South Africa, they take on the cost of moving that data internationally. So rather than our local internet service providers carrying the cost of every single user fetching that data from overseas servers, that data is brought to to South Africa once, the actual content owner pays for it. So the Netflixes, the Facebooks, the Googles, they, um, you know, Google owns YouTube, a huge source of data or a huge consumer of data. 
they bring those videos closer or they or they they bring it into south africa they pay for that transit so our local guys don't have to that and that that brought down the costs tremendously and the only reason that works is because we've got data centers where they can store these gigabytes and gigabytes well terabytes really of of data um and uh, south africa's fiber infrastructure is second to none in the world obviously um, coverage of it um, needs to expand, and yeah. the fiber network operators are aggressively trying to do that. But we stand back, not even for developed markets. Uh, I dare say our fiber infrastructure is better than in Australia. Um, in, in in many respects, it's better than the, um, the the fixed line broadband infrastructure available in the United States, which is um, inc- which has a plague of regional monopolies that that mess things up for them over there. Here, the the, the market is vibrant; it's competitive. What, um, why is that and- the case? Is it because we're a country with two coasts and that we're at the bottom of the continent? Uh, and who made that sort of investment? I know Telco made tremendous investment in that. I live in an area where the the biggest fiber provider is Vumatel. I don't know if that's their own investment or they they piggybacking of a different sort of investment. But explain to us why our our fiber infrastructure is so sophisticated and advanced. Yeah. Um, so a, a, a couple of things. So no, it's it's not. In fact, the fact that uh, we're so far removed from Europe um, and North America actually made things harder for us. Um, Firstly, it took the arrival of CECOM in 2009 um, to really bring down the cost of international connectivity. Um, And then a whole bunch of other undersea cables came online, WAX, Easy, uh, to compete with Telcom's existing cables, SAT3 and SAFE. Um, Because Telcom's monopoly allowed it to charge whatever it wanted, and it did. Um, And in fact, um, and that, by the way, is government's um, stake in telecommunications in South Africa. And uh, without belaboring the, 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 the point, um, uh, the, you know, um, the telecom really left South Africa in a bad spot. Um, and, and government allowed it to uh, by charging exorbitant fees and not, in, uh, and, and not investing enough into its infrastructure. But that's a story for a whole other day. Um, and so, so then what happened when the undersea cable capacity issue was sorted um, is the data centers started coming online and, and around the same time we had uh, Vumatel coming online and, and initially I was actually quite skeptical yeah. of this Vumatel thing because uh, from from where I sat the logical place for fiber competition to come from would have been Vodacom and MTN uh, because they needed to roll out fiber all over the country to do 4G. Now the whole reason these networks were able to roll out fiber in the first place is because um, the industry won a major court case against then Minister of Communications, Ivy Matsepi Kasaburi. It's called the Altec ruling, if anybody wants to go look it up, because government wanted to monopolize um, uh, infrastructure provision, internet infra- and network infrastructure provision in South Africa for telecom. They wanted it to make it so that telecom could be the only company to provide network connectivity like this. So we, um, the industry beats the, the minister in court. The minister ultimately chooses not to appeal. That is um, kudos to her that, that she decided, okay, you know what? No, uh, we, we were not going to drag this out any further. Um, and from there, the market was started liberalizing. Now, it took from 2005 to 2014 for Vumatel to launch. So just to give people the idea of the lead times we're talking about here, it takes 10 years just about 
for a seed to germinate into actual green shoots. Um, then uh, Vumatel starts coming online. It starts rolling out infrastructure. Now, by then, uh, with the Vumatel launches, it's nothing. It's a startup. Yeah. Um, Telcom is the power in South Africa's fixed line space. It, it The market is it's to lose. Um, but Telcom decides instead to invest in a mobile network um, and skimp on its fiber network investments. And Vumatel is able to catch up to the point where Vumatel is now South Africa's biggest home residential uh, fixed line broadband provider and fiber provider. And, and so um, the reason the market is so sophisticated in South Africa right now is because it was um, allowed to be liberalized. That, that took some real forward thinking by legislators. So it's not all negative on government side. They allowed these laws to be passed. Yeah. Um, they were involved in passing some of these laws, the, the ECA in particular. And then when the court cases came, they didn't drag them out. Uh, so that's step one. Step two is the South Africa's market is still young, right? So it's still vibrant and competitive. And that's something that um, that com the, the competitiveness in it needs to be fiercely guarded, but without being too short-sighted about it. There's some consolidation is necessary. Some um, foreign direct investment is necessary so that we can keep expanding the networks. Um, but uh, th that's, uh, if I were to summarize it, that's essentially yeah. why things are so good right now is because there's just, you've got Vumatel, Frogfoot, Metro Fiber Networks, OpenServe, which is under Telcom. You've got Octotel. You just have like, you've got probably like 10 companies, um, you know, three or four of them really big. Um, uh, but but everybody is just like vying for a place in the sun and, and it's um, an incredibly competitive. So, and that's why we're currently doing so much better than, than other countries. Uh, we, we don't have much time left. And, and I wanted to get through these two really important questions. The first is, why should anyone care about this? Why should the average South African citizen give a damn that we have harmonized data policy? Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm not sure that we 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 need to. Um, I think that we could do just fine without this data policy. But con given the fact that government wants to put this data policy in place, I think we should care that it's good. It mustn't stand in the way of of the industry uh, continuing um, the good work that it's doing. And um, and if government wants this policy to do good in terms of ensuring people have access to their private information while not exposing them, um, et cetera, et cetera, then uh, I think that we have a vested interest to help make government uh, ensure that this policy is well-worded, well-thought-out, and, uh, and and doesn't ultimately hurt the industry at the end of the day. You, of course, know the details of the TransUnion Experian uh, uh, consumer right. credit data breaches. Big, big, big case in South Africa. I, I don't know if it was due to negligence on their part, but is such a thing preventable through this policy framework? No, that's what Popia is for and uh, the information regulator to uh, to counteract some of the criticism I've leveled at government here, the information regulator is di doing a phenomenal job. The information regulator is still uh, very young in their role, yeah. um, but they've, they're cutting their teeth. They actually went after their parents. They sit under the Department of Justice and the, and the Department of Justice had a had a daughter uh, a daughter incident a ransomware incident, and they actually yeah. slapped them with a fine. Um, and so that is encouraging to see. Um, is is uh, the information regulator really cutting its teeth and testing um, testing out uh, the, the the powers that have been conferred to it by Popia?
Yeah. And lastly, um, we don't have very big poppy test cases in South Africa just yet. I'm hoping for one to soon come uh, so that we can get a solid grip on the legislation and, 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 and just really how it works. But is it working effectively as far as data protection is concerned compared to before we had that piece of legislation? Not, not yet. And precisely, as you say, because it's not tested. I'm hoping that after um, the information regulator tests um, what the act can and can't do, because uh, it looks like the Department of Justice actually wants to take the information regulator to court over the fine. And so we'll, uh, that will be a, a nice first test case. Um, and uh, from there, the information regulator has a whole bunch of other cases lined up, including investigations against TransUnion and Experian. And um, that's going to be the the real test of the legislation and and what it can and can't do. Um, uh, so so um, once we once that's done, which is going to be a couple of years years from now, yeah. then we'll then we'll know for sure what kind of protection Poppia really gives us and whether it needs to be strengthened. Yeah, is Parliament's uh, portfolio committee the or at least the ad hoc committee on uh, the, the 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 data and cloud policy? well suited are they receiving the right sort of legal advice in terms of how they're going about bringing this policy together before it leads to its way to the national assembly or are you worried about the sort of uh, thinking that's happening in the portfolio committee i i don't know what kind of thinking is happening in in the portfolio committee i was not impressed by the portfolio committee on communications recently uh, ripping into um, w- with very um, ill-informed statements into the mobile network operators and the cost of data. Um, uh, that's another topic entirely. Yes, cost of data can come down, but um, really part of the problem for the high cost of data is load shedding, and that's not acknowledged at all. Um, but I am hoping that at least that they will um, read and listen to the feedback from the industry, which has which was submitted back in 2021, and and take that into account properly, take proper advice before um before uh, you know finally approving the policy yeah jan we're gonna to have to leave you there i really appreciate your time this evening jan formil an editor at my broadband taking your reactions to that give me a call i'd love to hear from you zero eight six triple zero two zero three two zero eight six triple zero two zero three two i'm also taking your whatsapp voice notes on zero six one four one zero four one zero seven tweet me at oliver underscore speaking it's 11 o'clock let's take a final news bulletin